Good morning, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It is uh, November 16th, 2003. It's Thursday, and thanks so much for being with us. Today, we're on the archives, and you know, we archive all our stuff. Basically, it's everywhere all over the web, anywhere you might listen to podcasts, but we archive it specifically for us over at ace-ed.org under the podcasts link. Okay, that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. We're going to talk a little bit about that today with our guest, who I'll introduce in just a second. Uh, Go over to ace-ed.org. Everything's free over there. Our magazine, Equity and Access. Our podcasts, listen to thousands of them are over there, okay? And also, we have our Excellence in Equity Awards. So I hope you go over, check it all out at ace-ed.org. Today, my guest is a gentleman named Pablo Munoz, who owns the MunozCompany.com, by the way, the MunozCompany.com, where he's managing director, obviously, he owns it, okay? But it is an educational and leadership consulting organization. And the reason I wanted to bring Pablo on is because he also wrote a wonderful book, which I have linked on site, which is called The Leader's Algorithm. Okay, it's a personal theory of action that can transform, A, your life, and B, your work. Okay, it's really good stuff. And he is a great guy. We talked last week. He was superintendent for a long time in New Jersey in Elizabeth Passaic, Elizabeth and Passaic, New Jersey, and just an all-around good guy, and I want this book to get well-known. So it's called The Leader's Algorithm, and here's the leader himself, the one, the only, Pablo Munez. Good morning, Pablo. <laughs> good morning, Larry. Uh, it's, good, it's good to connect again and, and Thanks, uh, buddy. get to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you here, and that was a nice conversation last week as we were preparing the show. I'm glad you could come on today. This is just great. Again, I want to read something which I found today as I was reading over the stuff all right, that you had sent me. And this is from a gentleman named James Coyle, who was the president of the Gateway, which is probably near you, the Gateway Regional Chamber of Commerce. And I just love this quote. I watched in real time as Pablo Munoz transformed the Elizabeth, New Jersey school system from a failing district into a high-performing powerhouse. And this, the book, is how he did it. I could just say to you, okay, tell me how you did it, Pablo, but I won't do Oh, wait, yes, I will. How'd you do it, Pablo? Talk about that <laughs> and your background. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, that, wow. that, that is long and complicated. That onion has a lot of layers to peel. Yeah, well, we'll uh, start well, at the very beginning. <laughs> I, I, I want to say this, okay? And I'm literally, I mean, you're from Puerto Rican family. You started all you guys, the whole family, you know, started with, with very little, and look at you, the Yale graduate, a Columbia graduate, okay, superintendent of schools, you worked your way up through Elizabeth, New Jersey, and you learned a lot, and you're sharing it now, okay, and I, I think yeah. that's great, all right, so I'll ask a yeah. simple question, when you say the leader's algorithm, what are you talking about, that's the name of your book, what are you talking about? It, it is, it is, uh, uh, it's two things, right, it, it's the title of the book, uh, and, 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 and it's actually an equation in the, in the book. So mm-hmm. as the title of the book, as the title of the book, it's fundamentally, the book is fundamentally an educational leadership book. And right. the reason I, and the reason I wrote the, the leader's algorithm was in one word, help. I wrote it, I wrote the leader's algorithm to help aspiring new and current school administrators 
And my vision for the book is to share what I've learned uh, from my 30-year journey in public education, 16 years of that as a superintendent of schools. I wanted to share what I learned from my advocates and my mentors. I wanted to share what I learned from the Broad Academy. And I also wanted to share what I learned from my uh, what I call book mentors, the, the books and the case studies that I read about leadership and management and teaching and learning from authors that I mostly never met. Second, uh, I hope that aspiring new and current school administrators will read and use the book to create a leadership framework and strategy to lead and manage their schools and school districts. So that kind of the fundamentals of the of the title, but to mm-hmm. the specific question around what is the leader's algorithm, that is in chapter one, uh, which mm-hmm. is called Define, the, Defining the Leader's Algorithm. And the leader's algorithm is basically a simple equation that puts strategic thinking to work. You write and share your personal theory of action, then you don't leave it as a theory. You actually execute your personal theory of action consistently with public accountability. And if you do that, then you will transform your life, work, schools, schools, and school districts. So that when you're in Chapter 1, you'll see in the call-out box and in the paragraph the mm-hmm. definition of a leader's, leader's algorithm. And just for shorthand, it's the personal theory of action plus execution plus accountability equals transformation. I have to ask this, and, uh, you know, um, you were what is it, 16 years of superintendent, but among other yes. things that you did. Okay, you start, obviously yes. you start out as a superintendent. Okay, uh, and I want to ask you, so the world has kind of changed since the pandemic, and I know the book is pretty new. Okay, put the things you've learned. All right. About and you, you, you did most of your work before the pre-pandemic. Okay, things have changed out there. It's pretty wild out there right now in the world of public education, as you know. Okay, so how's it work in today's crazy world where superintendents and principals are under such pressure, uh, teacher retention, teacher recruitment, all that sort of thing? Just put it into today's perspective, Pablo. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, two of the two of the big challenges that uh, school districts have, um, and most of the, most of the information I get now from from reading in my and my college students, because sure. uh, I'm an adjunct professor at Lehigh, and, and my colleagues oh. actually had an event last night with I had an event last night with about 50 um, school officials and leaders to to talk about the leaders' algorithm. And yes, I mean, the, the one big thing that the nation is struggling with is the staffing of schools and having enough teachers. Now, uh, a few years ago, if you, you had read some of the, the writings on it, they, they had predicted a need for uh, teachers. And, and the one article I read was that they were projecting just to meet the demand uh, a million new teachers. Right? And that probably had to do a lot, a lot with the baby boomers exiting exiting the yes. the education field uh, and, the, and the growth of, of the U.S. population. But at the same time, then you get smacked with a pandemic, 
And that causes people to rethink uh, their lives and their careers, and, and, and then you get others exiting sooner than they, they would have, and, and, I, and I was one of them. I, I retired. I, 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 was, I retired in 2021 uh, from the superintendency in public administration and began my consulting company, um, but I was smack in COVID. I mean, I, I remember the, the news stories coming out in 2019, 20, early 2020, and then the whole state and the nation shutting down, and then mm-hmm. the back and forth, sure. back and forth for months uh, about whether we would go back to school and how how we would operate, and, and you know every day we were, when we were actually open, um, we were writing letters and, and, and such. I think I listen. I think it played out differently uh, for for different com- communities and their and their contexts. Agreed. Um, yeah. Uh, for for me, what, what we what what I found um, first of all, uh, I think, and I guess those those that love technology may disagree with me, <laughs> but I think I, I think the pa- the panacea that technology would solve all of education's problems uh, was debunked by COVID. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for a better test case, right? All of a sudden, everybody was sent home, and the only, yeah. the only way to edu- educate a child was uh, online uh, uh, with, uh, with programs or, or, or Zoom or whatever your platform was. And, uh, and I think people, uh, or at least I feel, I don't know that all feel this way, but I, I think people have come to realize that students in schools with teachers in the classroom is a must. It's a must, right? Not only for the education I, I would of the agree. children, not only for the education of the children, but what we saw economically, right, that public schools pre-K to 12 serve a vital interest yeah. in get it's not only least. educating kids, but for getting parents to go to work and having the economy work, right? Because yeah, parents feeding the whole, kids. Let me put that thing yeah. in there too, feeding the kids. Yeah, there's, there's, a, whole, there's a whole element of, of those levels. And, um, but what, what, you, what you quickly find out, right, because the pandemic really highlights it, is that uh, in my case, I ran two urban school districts 86 and 88 percent poverty rates, large numbers of English language learners. Mm-hmm. I have pre I have preschool students, three year olds and four year olds. Um, what you quickly learn is that three year olds, four year olds, kindergartners, first graders, second graders, uh, special needs students need to be in schools with teachers. Mm. And, and in certain cases, they're instructional aides, right, at that age level, because not only is their curriculum academic, but it's also social and socialization. Yes, it is. And, that, yes, and it is. the children at that age lost a lot of that interaction with their peers because they, they were home for, for, for months, maybe even up to a year. Um, and then preschoolers, right? And kindergartners that that are going through different stations and 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 playing and learning and all that. I mean, how, how do you execute that on your mom's lap? Yeah, you don't. You, or you don't talk do it to your well. Teacher, Let's put it that way. Let's talk put it that to way. your teacher yeah. on an iPhone, right? 
And uh, and then the kids' eyes are glazed over <laughs> trying to, not those, even the older kids, right? The older kids that actually could do content because they, they can uh, self-navigate academic platforms, um, software platforms uh, that taught instruction, and they can pace themselves. I mean, six hours, your, your eyes glaze over and are spinning. You're, you're getting vertigo by the end of the day. Um, so I think, uh, uh, I think this whole... Uh, this whole craze about technology being a panacea, I think, was debunked. I think probably Jim Collins gets to great uh, that technology is an accelerator, right? It's not the it's not the main driver of of improving uh, academic outcomes for kids. It's important, and and it will change how instruction gets delivered. And, yes, it and will. there's a lot of good, good there's a lot of good stuff out there that helps kids, but uh, the importance of being in schools with your peers, socializing, uh, influencing each other. And in my case, the bilingual, multilingual kids yeah. needing to be out of the Which home, I love. interacting with English speakers, the yep. instruction and their peers yep. uh, is crucially important. I think, I think those are kind of some of the big takeaways for me as I was exiting the superintendency. And what I think is happening now is that some, so what I'm hearing, right, the, uh, and and I think there'll be some time before you actually be able to dive to dive into the data and see how it plays out. But yeah, COVID really had a, a large impact um, on student learning, and uh, oh, it's incredible. They didn't yeah. Get it once, so I think I think schools yeah. are dealing with with that. You know, like if they were supposed to be at a certain grade level, they may be further back than usual because of of the missed. Uh, time in schools with professional teachers and not having to uh, deal. Like in my case, right, in, in, you know, we had to pivot real quickly, and it wasn't until we got federal funding for the start of the next school year, school year that we were able to build up. But, you know, in my environment, I had kids, even if we were able to get them laptops uh, because they're, they're poor and they didn't have computers at home, yeah, they need broadband. Um, they, they, be they, nice didn't, they didn't have broadband. Yeah, they didn't have Wi-Fi connections. Exactly. And, you know, and, that's and what I meant. Wi-Fi. Yeah. You, you you don't even think this through. Yeah. But you, you get this. You get this feedback from from the different uh, parents uh, communicating, right? Because I'm I'm layers re- removed from the interaction between teachers and students, but a lot of parents' Wi-Fi's in my context were their phones. Yeah, and they just lost their job, so they couldn't pay for the phone. So now, exactly. <laughs> now exactly. their Wi-Fi is down because their phone is down. So we actually right. ended up having, even though we wanted to pivot and go uh, online with a lot of stuff, we actually had to print and produce a lot of the content that we would have That's done right. online. Now and, and then we had to set and up get it and get it to the kids and get it to the kids. Yeah. 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 Wow. They, and they had to come and get online and pick up their stuff. Where COVID, everybody has has their mask. And the second thing that was happening uh, was that we we feed breakfast and lunch. So now these yeah. communities don't have meals, right? So we had That's to right. set up systems uh, all day long for parents, all, actually all week long, for parents to pick up meals. Uh, breakfast and lunch, uh, because that's where they were, they were getting them. So not it's, only it's were we dealing with 
instruction, not only are we dealing with social emotion, but we're dealing with a whole food distribution process in, in our schools. But you guys made it through. And one of the reasons Elizabeth, I think, are you talking about Elizabeth or Patek right then? It doesn't really matter, but which that, one are you talking about? That experience about? was my second superintendency, so COVID happened. That's in Passaic. Yeah, okay. New Jersey, by the way, for those of you who don't know where that is. Okay, <laughs> excuse me. So you guys made it through. But what made it, but what helped you make it through was all the things you did in the years prior. And you, you started that in Elizabeth, I hope, in New Jersey, and I hope they made it through too. I think they did. Okay. But then it was Passaic's turn. And you took all the things that you learned from Elizabeth, New Jersey, put it into Passaic, changed what you needed to change to make it fit that district. The, the damn pandemic hit and they made it through. Okay. And you did that. And think about it. Okay. Think about it. There, there was something there to begin with. Okay. So I want to ask you, as you moved Elizabeth, and I'm sure you moved Passaic as well forward. Okay. They, 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 they were, they were failing urban districts, if I may, and I don't mean to be derogatory to either one of them, wonderful teachers, wonderful, wonderful community. Okay. But they were, they were not doing well. And under your leadership, Okay, they did do well. They did better. They started to understand how important all this is. Okay, and talk, so talk about how your leadership. What did you implement? All right, that allowed them to have the confidence to get through all this. Right, and, right. And, and that's, uh, what need, that's what superintendents need to know. They they, yeah. they need to set up the systems that work. Okay, they can't teach every kid. They can't do that. They can't discipline every kid. They can't do that. They need to be to set up the larger systems, the logistics of it, if I may. Talk about it, Pablo. That's that's what's right, going on these right. days. Yeah. Well, listen, that's a fantastic, fantastic question. And quite Thank frankly, you. Thank you. if one were to pick up my book and read the book, they would get the the full uh story laid out right? i have it linked only, it's on site not only not only linked. do i define the leader's algorithm and, and define what a personal theory of action is and then i i go on to teach leadership lessons and, and unfold of how i approach my leadership but let me start just fundamentally uh with how i led right and yeah. i led by i led by writing a personal theory of action, right? And that's the heart and soul of the book. The yes, book goes is. on to, to teach a lot of leadership lessons through personal and professional stories. But it was about uh, creating a personal theory of action. So what is a personal theory of action, right? It's a written leadership framework. A personal theory of action is what you can do personally and through your team to achieve your goals. It's written in a logical if-then statement that leads to your ultimate goal. And usually your ultimate goal is your mission statement or you're paraphrasing your mission statement. So said another way, if we do A, B, and C, then we will get X, Y, and Z results. And my personal theory of action was the leadership framework that I used to lead and manage the Elizabeth and the Passaic public schools. So let me give you 
Uh, and this will kind of lay out for the listeners how I went about leading, because otherwise we'd probably spend uh, two months, you know, two weeks just discussing all the ins and outs of, <laughs> yeah. of, of how I went about it, right? Because it didn't happen overnight. In, in, in Elizabeth, I was there eight and a half years as superintendent. In Passaic, I was there seven and a half years. So this stuff is happening, right? It's happening over time. It doesn't happen overnight. But if, if and when you pick up the book, in Appendix A, I give the full uh, personal theory of action for both Elizabeth and Passaic, the last two that I used uh, as my leadership framework in those schools. So you can read exactly how I wrote them. And uh, they're not written in stone, so they evolve over time as you learn more and as you have wins and losses and, and, and as people uh, help you uh, teach you things and say things to you. But my, my personal theory of action was structured as an if-then uh, statement. I had four if statements. The first one was how I would lead. The second if statement was how I would select and select leaders and, how, and what I expected of them as leaders. The third if statement was uh, the, the larger district objectives, right? And the fourth if statement were the guiding principles for the, for the school district. So that all led up to the then statement, which is the, the ultimate goal. So let me, let mm -hmm. me give you a, a, a taste of what I did, what I did. Uh, and this is from the Passaic personal theory of action. So my first if statement is, is if I lead with a focus on these three things. So these are the, like, there, there's, there's an enormous amount of noise and an enormous amount of stuff you can focus in on, right? <laughs> but I, I, I chose that uh, for me as a leader that I would consistently focus on these three things, right? First thing was to keep the school system focused on its vision and its mission in an effort to produce excellent results. The second thing was to select effective leaders to carry out the mission. And the third thing, quite frankly, probably the most important thing, was to get the resources into the classroom, right? And if anybody, yep. knows, yep. Urban Ed, anybody knows Urban Ed, the battle for money, right, initially from the, the state or, your, or the local level is a challenge. Everywhere. But once you have the money and you have to build a budget, you are dealing with uh, your board and your unions, and they all want the money to go to certain places, and, and <laughs> I needed to – keep the organization focused to get the vast majority of it into the classrooms. And what do I mean by that, right? The, the personnel, the teachers, the aides, right? The money gets converted into, into people. It gets converted mm -hmm. into programs and instructional materials. It gets converted into services for the children. And I needed to make sure and stay focused that the resources that we receive, whether from the state, the federal, or the local, or from grants that that was hitting and getting to the kids uh, in the vast majority of, of the time. So when I used to do budget presentations, I used to show over 80% of the district resources uh, getting into the, into the classrooms. And and I you know I would battle with my board about it, right? Because you know, and, you know if they wanted to hire 10, 10 more custodians, but I needed a new instructional program, uh, what's the priority here, guys? It's, it's the instructional program. Then um, I would focus in my next 
level of if was on on the leaders that I selected and what I wanted them to do, right? And I yep. and I I would have them I would have them focus on six things: vision, mission, the instructional core, teamwork, trust, and high expectations. And I'll mm-hmm. and I'll tell you and I'll and, and I'll tell you listeners. I used I used yep. to. I, I used to do a uh, what I used to call a final interview. Uh, so as a superintendent, I would have to recommend to the board an appointment of an administrator or a promotion of an administrator. And um, before that, I would bring the candidate into my office, and I would sit down with them and say, hey, listen, this is going to be your final interview. I said, listen, this is going to be a very odd, a very odd interview. Uh, I don't think you've ever had one like this before. And I said, but boy, bear with me. Uh, just, just, just humor me. Go through it. I will explain to you why we do this. So I would then tell them we're going to do a word association game here. And I said, I'm going to give you six words or six combination of words, and I want you to react to these words. I want you to tell me what comes to your mind. One word, one sentence, a few sentences. Uh, don't go too long on them because I eventually want to get to why we're doing this. And I would say vision and they would react. And I'd say mission and they would react. I would say instructional core and they would react. And then once we got through all of them, teamwork, trust, and high expectations, I would tell them two things. All right. I said, first of all, the reason we did that is I, want you, I wanted to create a memorable moment for you. I wanted you to leave this room saying that was the oddest interview I've ever had, right? And I want you to remember that experience, and I want you to remember these six words and these six, these, or these six, six groups of words because these are my talking points to you, right? Then I would launch into what I expected of them from vision, mission, instructional core, teamwork, trust, high expectations, right? I would lay out my expectations of them. And throughout the existence of the superintendency, I would be consistently writing, talking, and most importantly, acting on vision and mission. I would, I would write about it, talk about it until they get gagged on it. They, I needed them to stay focused on the, on, the, on, on the vision and the mission. The third... Yes, go ahead. Yeah, we got about, we got about seven minutes left, so go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so the third, yeah, yeah at, the, this really sums up what, how I Go went ahead. about it, right? Uh, the third if statement was uh, that I would move the district to an aligned instructional system. So the third uh, if statement had seven uh, uh, sentences and clauses. This third <laughs> if statement was the organizational theory of action. And what I did was write a policy that, the, that, that played out all these seven things, right? And I'll give you a shorthand. Curriculum, effective teachers and leaders, professional development, yes. formative and summative assessments, comprehensive student information system, interventions, and measuring performance growth and progress. Those were the seven, and I just gave you shorthand. I didn't read you the whole sentence. But in the policy, they would be... They can buy the book. Don't more. worry about it. That's the point. Right? Go ahead. Yeah. Right? And I would get the board to adopt a policy saying, listen, Mr. Superintendent, this is the board's direction to, the, to management that I want you to execute this district. I want you to act on these seven variables and create the district around them. Now, I wrote them. I convinced them to adopt it. 
And therefore, now I have strength and power because now when I tell the organization that this is what we're going to do, and they go, well, is your idea? No, it's the the, the board policy. I got the board board to adopt it and and convince them that it was necessary. But it's part of my personal theory of action. So not only is it board policy, but it's also part of mine. And then, the and, and, you know, thing, I, I, I got to say something, Pablo. I got to interrupt for a second. I, and I didn't mention this before, but I know you went to Yale, and I know you graduated with a, a and am I right, a psychology degree? Yeah, yeah, my degree was yeah. psychology. And I got to tell you, that's good psychology work, and what you did. <laughs> okay, it, that that is that is classic. I got to tell you, we got to go, but I want I got everything linked here. Okay, and Pablo is available not only to talk to you, but work with you, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm so glad you're here, my friend, and thank you so much. And best of luck with the book. It's wonderful. Yes, thank you, Larry. You're welcome, Pablo. Come back on anytime. You're always yeah, welcome. Stay in I, touch. I, I'd love to come back on. And, come and back on. Get another... Yeah, let Let's me know whenever. I'll come I'm, back I'm and we'll keep sincere. on chatting. Good enough. Yeah, me Thanks, too. Pablo. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. The amazing Pablo Munoz, the leader's algorithm. It's all linked over here. We'll archive at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks so much for listening.